Broadcasting to you, not quite live, from the Loading Ready Run Orbiting Underground Moon Base, it's Anoani, which probably has a longer Japanese name, but I haven't figured it out yet. I'm Brendan Beach-Deary, joining you today with our uh, our other co-hosts. Uh, say hello, starting with the person immediately on my right. Hello, I'm Coriander Dickinson. It's your boy, Ian Horner. And coming to us over the air, we have a special guest today. Introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My name is Aaron Cerise. Uh, you may know me from the YouTubes if you frequent idle corners of that YouTube. Aaron, actually, it'd be cool if you uh, speak briefly on the things that you make on YouTube as well, so people can, if they're interested in the stuff you make, they will come check you out. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm probably most known for making videos related to Love Live, specifically the mobile game Love Live School Idol Festival. I've made tutorials, I've made um, gotcha poll videos, I silly garbage post videos, um, lots of stuff. And lately I've been adding magical girls to my repertoire as well. Just everything floofy and rainbow colored, you could imagine. <laughs> well, and you, uh, what's the name of your new show? The new show is called Maho Profile. It's actually kind of an educational show. It's a, it's a history of the magical girl genre, starting from the very beginning of the genre in the 1960s and going forward show by show in chronological order. It's, it's going by at uh, a snail's pace right now, but that's because I want to be very thorough. And I think it's working out very well. People are really enjoying it. Awesome. You've got some big fans in the room here right now, actually. <laughs> Sally the Witch! Erin's yeah. been a, a friend of ours for many, many years, so we're happy to have her on the show. And uh, should we mention Heather is not here? She is on personal assignments. If they assignments. haven't heard Heather, they know yeah. she's not here. Yeah, it's probably worth <laughs> Okay, anyway, then let's start with our uh, our picks from last season, from spring 2018, and I'm going to just pass it on to Corey immediately to start for us. Oh, dang. Okay, my first pick is Gegege no Kitaro. Yeah, the classic theme song, the spoopy outro, the characters that design-wise don't age that well, but are fantastic in the way that they've kept to the original designs. It's just kind of like a fun magical adventure set in more of a modern time and high high school, I guess, middle school. Does it play hijinks. out like very like it is very modern? Like it feels very modern. It's set now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's yeah, like they, they're they're doing construction for the Olympics. They took a, a lot oh. of uh, a lot of time to uh, bring cell phones into the world of yokai and make them work. Oh, rad. Okay. Because this is like a recent remake of like Gigi no Kitaro had a remake like a few years ago. Yes. And so here is yet another one. Mm -hmm. Neat. Okay. How, and how'd you enjoy it? It's quite quite good. Is it scary at all? Uh, like it's moderately disturbing, <laughs> but in that in the like, oh, I'm gonna steal all these humans' souls. But it's more gag and adventure based. It's it's funny. Okay, that's cool. So like scary the way Hotel Transylvania is scary. <laughs> yeah, scary the way Hotel Transylvania is scary. <laughs> There's also, are there like a lot of morality lessons and stuff to be learned? There are some morality lessons okay. to be learned. All right. That sounds like Japanese ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, now, would you mind walking me through it a bit here, Corey? Because you and I uh, diverged on watching this together. And I, if I recall the first few episodes, they actually seemed like the stakes were a little bit higher than I would have uh, given a show like this to be. Like death was actually something that could actually happen. No one's permanently cool. died yet. <laughs> like Kitaro dies in the first episode. What? And then comes back. Okay. Spoilers. It's okay. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. All right. He uses his series of special attacks, like shooting needle hair and his remote control geta. And 
and uh, what not, other abilities does he have? It's not an action series in any way, shape, or form, though. Like, oh, there's there's some wicked combat scenes. Okay, okay. I was never quite clear on what the crux of the show is supposed to be because I thought it was supposed to be like you know a weird, super deformed Adams family kind of thing based on all the like the black and white drawings I always saw. But. So Kitaro is a yokai, and he goes and helps people in the human world that have yokai problems. Neat. With the help of his eyeball dad. <laughs> Is it continuing this season then too, or did you just, did it wrap up? I am unaware. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't remember seeing it in any of the any of the list for this season that I've seen. So probably ending and then the twelve or thirteen episode mark. Cool. On to Ian. <laughs> okay. Well, there's going to be a theme to uh, to my uh, my picks for this past season, and it's a. Uh, I, I hesitate to call them picks too, because a lot of these were uh, on my picks in previous seasons, previous mm-hmm. episodes. But this was kind of Ian's season of disappointment. And we're going to start off that disappointment with Full Metal Panic Invisible Victory, which is the the fourth season of Full Metal Panic. After Full Metal Panic, Classic Taste, uh, Full Metal Panic, Fumofu, Full Metal Panic, The Second Raid, which was the third series. You know, let's make it incredibly uh, confusing. And then Full Metal Panic, finally, Invisible Victory, or subtitled IV, or 1-5, Roman numeral 4. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it's clever, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Did, that, did that save it? <laughs> no, no, that was the only clever thing about it I've seen. Okay. Oh, no, okay. There's, there, there, there are some things about the story that, that are going some interesting places. They've taken... What's happened in this in this uh, season is that all your, your fa- friendly friend characters were... Everything was stable at the end of the last season. Mm-hmm. And now, instead of just finding a new villain to take on, the villain's taken the fight to our heroes at Mithril. And their base has been completely trashed. They're on the run from the the enemies. They have no more funding. They have no more support from their their allies. And they're just trying to survive. And the problem here is that they don't really interact with any of the characters we've come to know and love. We're now thrust into Sagara Sosuke's adventures with two people we've never heard of, but look suspiciously like people we knew before. And then they die. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Yep. So, All right. So we, we, we've, we've got lack of characters we, we actually thought we were going to see. We've got a weird mischaracterization of Chidori. She's gone from being this, this very uh, powerful, in control, very smart woman to being uh, what I'm going to refer to now as Moe Mom. They've plumped up her character design. Mm-hmm. They've stuck her in a, a white dress because... For some reason, that needs innocence, to... purity, exactly, and and they've just made her. The character seems like she's bored to be in this show the whole time. Oh no! <laughs> Despite being, you know, someone who is is trapped with an enemy and is has these amazing hacking skills out of nowhere. Now they've just decided, no, I'm just going to lay down and literally say that I just wish I wasn't alive. And it's 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 a sad direction for the character to go. They haven't finished the season yet as of recording, so I hope they turn it around and bring it back into something that I, that I was hoping the series would be. But there's just so much in the middle that I was disappointed by. And the, mm. by the way, the animation quality has dropped staggeringly. Well, it's a completely seasons. different studio. It is. Yeah. yeah. I was not happy with Full Metal Panic this season. I'll finish it off just because I feel like it's a series I'd like to come back to if they make more of it. Because mm. I do enjoy the characters. I do enjoy the story. But I can't recommend this one. That's too bad. Aaron, what's first on your list this year? Or- well, first, before we finish up with yours, I just wanted to say I never 
watched Full Metal Panic the first time around, and this is making me seem like I probably shouldn't bother at this point. Do you think the original Full Metal Panic is worth getting into if you didn't watch it the first time around? No. Oh, that's a hard one to no. say. Because it, it, is, it is very old at this time. It does a, not age well. Oh. It's been a long time since I've seen it to be able to confirm that. The only thing I'd ever heard about <laughs> Full Metal Panic was like, when I didn't get into it, was like, well... You could watch it so you can watch Fumofu and you know why it's funny. Because Fumofu is really funny. That sounds like a great advertisement for a show. Well, that's like with like freaking... I told people once, I'm like, Futakoi Alternative is really fun because it's really different than the original Futakoi because it's a completely different take on the show. But you can't watch Futakoi Alternative and enjoy it if you haven't watched Futakoi. And Futakoi sucks. So, sorry. <laughs> This is your reward for sitting through that. It was mine anyway. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, I should actually bring this point up as well, because this will probably come up later in some of our other picks. But the thing that should have clued me in about Full Metal Panic being maybe not what I wanted it to be is this is the first Full Metal Panic series where they, where they didn't bring back Shimokawa Mikuni to do the theme song. Oh, yeah, well, thanks. dang, that was like the one thing I liked about that franchise. Oh, right, because yeah, you're big into the music side of things, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, all those three themes were just so good, and, and now it's just someone else, and it's that the energy isn't there. The part I like oh. is that they store their knives on their face. <laughs> Very practical. <laughs> They're just right there when you need them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got a little extra jaw just for your knife. It's, uh, it's <laughs> true to life in terms of mech design, let's say. Okay, Erin, your first pick for the last season? Sure. I was debating whether or not to do my longer pick first or last. I think I'll, I'll do it last and build up to it. So let me start with something I didn't watch a lot of, but will prompt me to watch a lot more. I watched an episode of Cutie Honey Universe, which is obviously the latest incarnation of the Cutie Honey franchise, of which there have been many <laughs> incarnations over the past several decades. And what I saw, it looked fine. I know about Cutie Honey, but I haven't actually watched any incarnation of it yet. I'm still gearing up to that in my magical girl quest, as it were. <laughs> this this new one seemed fine. Uh, it, cheeky in kind of the way I expected. Keeps a lot of the original Gonagai designs, including some of the more cartoony characters, like the insanely lecherous lesbian teacher. <laughs> right, yes. Who gets caught screwing another teacher in a bush early on in the episode. Yeah. With oh, the, right. like, hair yeah. rolls and the glasses and... It wasn't, it wasn't anything, like, that blew my hair back, but it was, it was nice to see, just as a, just a slick new introduction to the franchise and kind of knowing a little bit about it going in. But after having watched that one episode, I definitely got the sense that I would enjoy it more if I had seen more of the franchise previously. So I think I'm not going to come back to this one until I've watched at least the original 70s anime and maybe a bit of one of the other ones. My DVD set of the original series is in the mail right now, so hopefully I can start that soon. So it's not as if, like, it's not as if you feel that Cutie Honey Universe could not be watched on its own because I mean, when I watched the first episode, I felt like, oh, this is the I'm getting all the explanation I need from seeing it. Yeah, like I wasn't lost at all. And it's not a continuation, you know, it's like it, it does feel like it's fairly self contained, but that you will enjoy it more personally if you actually have a lot more history with it. I think so. Like like you said, I don't think it's unenjoyable if you haven't seen any other cutie honey. I wasn't I wasn't lost. It helped that I had known some of the proper terms beforehand going in just through research, but I got the sense that I wouldn't have had no idea what was going on. But yeah, I did get the sense that I would get more out of it if I were more versed. 
especially in the relationship between Cutie Honey and the main villain, Sister Jill. There's a lot going on there because Sister Jill is disguising herself as a police inspector and trying to get in on Cutie Honey's good side. Oh, thank Christ, because I thought I was missing something. Oh, that's what was happening. Sister Jill yeah. canonically has a crush on Cutie. Well, everybody does. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> Sister Jill. Yes, yeah, specifically her. But that she's supposed to be, oh, the, the, these two women look the same because they're the same woman. And yes. I was like, thank God, because I thought there was just a weird to go in a guy thing. At least I think... I think so. It was pretty heavily implied that they were. If they, okay. if there, if there is a plot twist later on that makes it turn out that they are not the same person, that will be the surprise. Yeah, mm. fair enough. Yeah, Ian and I watched the whole series, and I have a range of emotions about it. It, it drove me to want to like write a full review, which I might do at some point in the future, where it's mm. just like titled "Cutie Hunting Universe is the most disturbing anime I've seen this decade." <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, it, w- it probably would pair nicely with a di- with a discussion of Devilman Crybaby in that respect. And that's why we watched it. We were on quite a going to guy kick after Crybaby. Yeah, it, it really would. I think that, that uh, boy, if Cutie Honey Universe is the barometer for what we're going to get out of going to guy revivals post Crybaby, I, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be okay. Next up is that Mazinger movie. Ooh. Yeah, there's been quite a few Mazinger reboots lately. Oh. Well, Ma- Mazinger has been immortal since its inception in the '70s, pretty much. I have to say, I was amused by the way I heard stories of going to guys trip to anime expo oh, and yeah. people being asked to not sign any devil man stuff only cutie oh, honey stuff don't even ask any questions about devil man <laughs> oh it was disappointing but that actually brings to me right thank you for bringing this series up to the forefront because this is the series i was talking about with theme songs mm-hmm. because this cutie honey universe is mm. the first cutie honey incarnation if i'm remembering correctly that does not use honey flash that's correct i believe so the song grew, grew on me i was Finally, by the end of it, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. into it. I'm jamming. I liked it. I can't remember it offhand, but that's because I only watched one episode. I think it's called I Know Mission. Yeah, it's, it's definitely called I Know Mission. Sorry. I just, I don't remember how it goes at all. I Know Mission. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not accused, I'm not a, opposed to Cutie Honey getting a new theme song. It's not like it's sacrosanct. It's just a tradition. Traditions are meant to be broken. Exactly. As evidenced by the Gegege no Kitaro series that came before the one that Corey watched this year. Is that Hakaba Kitaro you're talking about? It was. And it had the the Denki Groove theme, which was... Oh. Yes! It's one of my top anime songs of all time, actually. Mono no Ke no Dance. Hmm. Alright, then I will give my pick. First of my three picks for spring is uh, Wotakoi or Wotaku ni Koi wa Muzukashi which you would probably also see as love is hard for otaku. For this, they like to spell otaku using the wo mm-hmm. instead of the o, and they spell it on katakana, so it's a neat use of a character that doesn't get an awful lot of use. And what a koi it is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very... I really like this show. I love the manga to begin with, and was like everything else that I seem to take a lot of joy with. It's like I love to see how they get stuff to anime, like what happens when they finally land that contract. And I think they really... They really nailed it. They did a, uh, an excellent job with, in a lot of respects. Like one, okay, superficially, one of the things I really enjoyed about Wadakoi was that the main character he plays a Nintendo Switch now instead of playing his Vita because it updated for TV. <laughs> but part of that is he always is playing Monster Hunter on his Vita. But to bring it to TV, he's playing a, he's playing a Switch. And what they did is they showed him playing Monster Hunter Generation Nintendo Switch Edition. They had literal game footage of him as he's playing it they have the footage on the screen you can see him playing it on his tv or on on whatever else and they 
kept to that as he would be doing stuff if he's playing games or whatever and he is going to be playing Monster Hunter or whatever they respected that okay he's playing the game he's ho holding the right controllers he's like doing the things he's supposed to be doing but he also like plays a lot of other systems and does a lot of other stuff as well it's like they got that it was important to represent the game otaku in a way that actually was like official and made uh, sense they understood their audience yeah they really understood the audience which is what i really liked about it and of course monhan generations nintendo switch edition is literally called out in the credits i was about to ask but is he is he like i'm going to play my nintendo switch he play monhan never Go comes all up. house of cards on that it never comes up he my never like sony playstation 4 as i play a monument valley or like, yeah. no that never that never comes up it's just that he's playing this game and then you get to see b bits of it and it really struck me that seeing a real media item embedded into a show like made that kind of impact on me that was like oh my god like that's actually it that's i'm seeing the real thing as opposed to the thing that we animated really fast to make it feel like whatever the other thing i really loved about it in a story sense was this is about a bunch of salary people working in a nondescript company doing nondescript work having relationships it's about two couples that happen to be friends and like ancillary friends with each other hanging out more and more and doing otaku things and trying to keep it hidden from everybody that they know and acting like 30 year olds would like the kind of thing where it's like i don't want to let people know that i'm an otaku the game otaku he kind of doesn't care because he's like, I just sit and play games at work when I'm not having to work. And that's, you know, it's kind of seen as whatever. But everyone else is just like, I don't want to let other people know that I'm a BL fan or that I'm a cosplay person or that I'm any of these other kind of things. But with each other, they found those people in order to actually have that outlet with. And it just really felt like a, a more, this is how adults who are concerned with that kind of thing, but this is how adults still react to having hobbies after school. That it's like, you can still continue to have a hobby like this. You can continue to, like, this has become a thing where it's like, if you're in your 30s, playing video games or liking any of these other things is kind of okay. And I really like the way that felt. That was, I think they really got that across there. And it was fun and it was interesting. And you never see them, like, nobody ever makes out. Nobody, like, ever, like, has sex or anything like that. But it's all implied that these things are going on. But we're not looking at that because it's not the interest of the show. The interest of the show is seeing how these people act around, like... Those how, are part of the story. Yeah, it's like these two people are spending time at, at, at one person's apartment together. And they clearly have been there either all night or they're going to intend to be there all night. But one of them's reading manga and the other one's playing a game. And that's fine. Adults have these interests where they can do that with each other. If you're in a relationship, you can do that. And that's what really impressed me. Man, what... What a great message. There's been a disproportionate amount of Twitter drama about this very topic lately, I feel like, of younger fans apparently believing that anyone over the age of 25 isn't allowed to be involved in nerdish fan things. Yeah. <laughs> and to kind of have this show pointing out, it's like, you can be in your 30s. Like, because at some point, anybody who's that age... They're going to get to be a later age and realize that it's like, oh, wait, well, what about the things that I loved? Am I supposed to give them up? It's like, well, no, you can still continue to love these things. Too bad your fandom now is tax payments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Point of order, none of us actually did watch Good As Any this season. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, Wotakoi was great. And it was, uh, studio, I think, was A1 Pictures. And still, mm. though, the <laughs> animation was really good. Nope. So I don't know. Maybe they put their A team on it. Don't know what to tell you. They hurt us with Franks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll pass that on. It seemed very sweet. I might get to it. I I might not. I, I, admittedly, it's not the type of show that I would rush to watch. I think, but it does seem like it would be a good thing to try after getting burned by MMO Junkie. Oh, yeah. I, okay, I loved MMO Junkie. No, I I like that that show, but the baggage is too much now. That's fair. <laughs> 
All right, I cede the floor back to Corey. All right, moving on to Megalobox. The story of a junkyard dog man named Joe who fights in betting rings in a megaloboxing tournament style. Megaloboxing being boxing, but with robot arms attached to your own arms for some reason. Are you hitting people in the face with your robot arms? Uh, No. No, they hit people with their fists, but their fists are propelled by robot arms. I see. Yeah. I guess they kind of clamp around the wrist area yeah. when oh, you get into the okay. hand of the box. So it's, it's literally a robot arm and not a robot arm with a hand on the end. Yep. I see. Yeah, this isn't arms. This is this is, this is I, I, Yeah. I'm sorry I misunderstood. <laughs> also, he isn't a dog man. He's an, he's an actual man, but he just calls himself Junk Dog. Okay, that's... Yeah, his name is Junk Dog. <laughs> and then his fake name is Joe. And it's... It was made for the anniversary of Ashton Ojo. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a retelling of the, the Ashton Ojo story. And it's perfect in every way. Oh, good. The audio design is amazing and just adds to every single scene. And the style is great and filthy and sketchy. And it looks like they they blended like using flat textured backgrounds really well with moving character cells and stuff like that on the scenes. And... All of the plot points happen when you need them to. Oh, cool. When you're introduced to a character, you already know their motivation. You know why they're talking to another character. You know kind of how you want it to turn out. Like you have someone you're rooting for in the scene. Mm -hmm. There is no wasted moment in the 13 episode run of that series. Oh, good. Oh, and it is only 13. Yeah, and it's a a full story from start to finish. So it's not like being intimidated to watch, like, 90 episodes of Hajime no Ippo or something like that. Only 90? <laughs> or watching all of Ashton no Joe, which probably went on for at least, like, over 40-odd episodes. Probably about 52, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I started last episode talking about Megalobox, or my talking about Megalobox, saying that I was I felt sorry for every other series that came out that season mm-hmm. because they weren't Megalobox, mm-hmm. and I doubled down on that statement. It was one of the best shows I've seen period in a very very long time i have a feeling we're going to be talking about this show in for, for a number of years to come it's that good the soundtrack is one that i've been able to listen to that all the way through and just still not a fan of the of opening mm. well the opening is the opening they managed to nail so perfectly in terms of the style it sounds like it should be attached to a 1980s nelvana cartoon show that runs in prime time <laughs> specifically the raccoons it feels like it could be a raccoons theme song <laughs> The effort that they made in trying to in trying and succeeding in making everything look 2D animated mm. by hand is just um it's it's gorgeous to look at. The motion is amazing, and mm, I, I cannot say enough good things about Megalobox. Aaron, do you have anything to say about Megalobox? <laughs> I don't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't able to watch it, and. I'll admit, because I'm the channel of Rainbows and Floofles, a, a show that is basically brown is not not my my top choice to watch. But I've heard so many good things about it and so many good things about the art direction and the, the music and everything, like you've said, that it probably will get on my, on my queue at some point. So I'm looking forward to watching it. I never knew that I wanted to watch Cowboy Bebop a second time, but this time it's a boxing anime. <laughs> and I do, it turns out. Cool. That was... Corey's pick. Yep, so on to Ian. (laughs) Okay. Second pick in Ian's parade of disappointment from this past season is Legend of Galactic Heroes Dainoitesi. What? Sorry, I I didn't catch you, Aaron? I just said, oh no. Oh yeah, oh no is correct. (laughs) I am a huge fan of the original Legend of Galactic Heroes and oh wow, is this not the original Legend of Galactic Heroes? Like starting right at the theme song which 
I'm not, but didn't really mesh with what came before with the, uh, the, the original. And I later found out was a B-side on a single that went along with the Gundam unicorn that they put up in Odaiba. Okay. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was weird mismatch. The animation and the character designs are nothing like what I expect them to be. Hashtag not my dusty Attenborough. And I think what really solidified for it, me the other day was after watching the death of Stalin and seeing the death of Stalin portraying an evil empire area as still a place where people can smile, have fun, enjoy opulent dinners, and still enjoy the physical aspects of life. Legend of Galactic Heroes, the new thesis, portrays the Star Empire as being just this they're just space Nazis at this point. They're just oh. evil. Everyone is always frowning all the time. Everyone is sad and dour, and there is no happiness or joy to be seen in this kingdom whatsoever. Hmm. And that's not what I got from the the original series. And that's that's kind of what I was looking for was a, a an ambiguous series rather than a uh, what a, you wanted was Logue again. Yeah, you wanted a Logue, <laughs> but just updated animation. That's not unreasonable to ask for if that's the title in this day and age and unfortunately it's yeah every everything that i loved about Logue is is gone the the ship design is gone the characters that are approachable and interesting and a little bit aloof are gone you know wang wenli isn't isn't the same wang this time he's more subdued he's less He's, he's more interested in just having a boring life rather than very passionately trying to have a boring life. <laughs> Apparently, this first 12-episode season is going to be covering the first novel, and then we've got two movies coming out afterwards to progress it somewhere from there. So To see whether or not this actually makes any money or not? Yeah, I, I don't hold out hope that they're going to be completing the story on this one. Uh, okay. yeah. but, huh. I'm glad the original is out there in a more accessible format, at least, for more people to get to. Me too. Finally getting that on a streaming service, I think it's Verve has that one? Um, High Dive, I think. High, thank you. Yeah, it's that one. High Dive. But uh, yeah, having that out there now for people to be able to access it without having to, A, without having to break the law by downloading torrents, and then B, having to download a torrent of several hundred episodes. 212. Yeah. <laughs> of an old series to boot. Yeah, if you can find it. It's, yeah, it's, uh, just, just go watch the original. Fun fact for Maho Profile. In order to get all those old toy Magical Girl shows, I had to download a, t a single torrent with all of them for three months straight. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. Lord. <laughs> Jeez. Is it just someone in Saitama seating from their 56k modem? <laughs> I don't know. There was always at least one or two people seating it, but not, not very fast. So now you're gonna, you technically could be somebody else's hero by having access to that. You just have to leave it. It's like seating forever. Yeah, Oof. unfortunately, I can't do that. <laughs> is that is sufficient then? That's all I've got to say about the new thesis. All right. Uh, Aaron, on to you. Well, I also have a theme. It's slightly less depressing than Ian's theme, but not entirely undepressing. But let's save that for later, shall we? My second pick today um, is another one I didn't finish, but I think I can still talk about it. It's Magical Girl Ore, which, if you've not heard of this, it is a Magical Girl series where the, the gimmick is that when the magical girl transforms, she becomes a gigantic buff dude in a dress. Whoa. The art looks hilarious. I think we watched the first <laughs> episode of it at home. Yeah. All right, go on. Yeah, yeah please. It's fine, I think. <laughs> I will admit I was, I was a little cautious throughout just because the gender questions and gender sensitivity were always kind of... Uh, 
a little bit up in the air with that one. Right. But putting that aside, it was it was funny for the most part. It kind of has like an XL Saga type vibe. It's that frenetic and that full of meta humor for the most part, like referencing the production of the show. Like in the first episode, the villain is painting all the frames black and white and threatening to erase the entire show. The villains are kind of similar to, like, the Pachus from Excel Saga as well, like, super, like, round, cute faces, except they have these, like, gigantic gigantic buff dude bodies as well. Ooh. Um, it... The reason I sound so unsure about it is because I think it's it was fine for a little while, but I don't think I can finish a whole season of that. It, a lot of the jokes started to repeat themselves very quickly, and I just I couldn't see it getting much fresher beyond like three or four episodes. Hmm. It was basically the same jokes over and over again. Ha! <laughs> it's funny. She she punched that dude so hard he bled. Okay, yeah, tied a little closely to the visual gimmicks. And also, there, there's a little bit of discomfort there in that she has she has a best friend character. They're trying to become idols together, but they suck, which is which is one of the more <laughs> enjoyable jokes. Is they really really suck, or at least she does. But her best friend has a a flat-out crush on her. They state very clearly, no, I like you in a sexual way. Ah, okay. Um, No ambiguity there. That's all right. No, none at all. And it looked like they they were going somewhere with that. But maybe five seconds later, they turned it into like a predatory lesbian thing. (sighs) Thanks, anime. So yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's it's enjoyable enough for an afternoon, maybe. But I, I don't think I would watch a whole series of it. All right. Interesting. I guess that brings me to my next pick. We're going to talk about Hinamatsuri. Yay! Yeah. Translated, Hinamatsuri. <laughs> so this I don't know as much about. Okay, so I'm I'm reading the manga for Hinamatsuri. They just had a great reveal uh, a couple months back, actually, which was on point. It was so good. Uh, I can't talk about that. This... Th- <laughs> Hinamatsuri is a story about a girl who shows up in a weird, like, metallic egg in a Yakuza lieutenant's home and he lets her out of the egg and she's like middle school age or whatever. There's a time skip in the series as well. I'm playing this game. Yeah. And so when she gets out, she immediately, she has, she has like no affect. She's basically Rei Ayanami. You got to kind of take that. It's just like she has, she just kind of looks dull eyed and whatever, like, oh, whatever. And then she proceeds to like use her psychic abilities to just kind of cause a bit of havoc in his apartment and the thing is, is the whole, th- it, it's, it's all, cause she wants like some food and she wants a place to stay. And so he's like, ah, 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 okay. And so he just puts up with her. And then this, she, at some point she decides she wants to go to school. So he's like, okay. And so then pulls some strings and gets her registered at a school under his last name. And everybody thinks that she's his daughter and he has to go along with that because otherwise, it, and there's all these little problems that crop up from just her living in this world and having these like psychic abilities and stuff. And he doesn't really like her, but she's there. So he kind of deals with it. And we don't know if she likes him or not, but she kind of seems like she's like, oh, this is a good place to be or whatever. But every so often they have a moment where they kind of feel like, you know, we're two buddies that are kind of getting along. Now, let's add to that. Another girl shows up named Anzu, and she's also from the future or an alternate dimension or something. And she has psychic abilities and they have a fight on a riverbank and it's so good. And then there's another girl named Hitomi. And Hitomi is just your normal everyday human. She's very, she's human, middle school student. 
goes to school with uh, with Hina, and Hitomi's problem is she can't say no to people because she likes to help people so much, but she gets caught up in helping them and then to her own detriment, and then she ends up becoming a bartender at her age. Oh. And then Anzu, when she shows up, she's like, oh, I'm gonna, Hina, I've come to take you back with me and we have to have a fight about it. And then they have a fight about it. And then Anzu can't get back and, but she can't like go live with Hina because she feels bad about that and decides that instead she'll just be homeless. And these stories just tug at your heart because these are, these are all such good girls except Hina who's a pile of shit. <laughs> and it's, it's a comedy end to end. That's all it is. It's a comedy. It's a gag comedy. It's got such good girls in it, except Hina, who's just a disaster. And that's kind of where it's like there's a fourth girl, uh, Mai, and she'll show up eventually. She sh she's up in the first episode and she's up in the last episode. And there's a time skip and it's all complicated, but it's really funny. And it's just, that's all it is. It's really funny. And as far as getting a show like that to air, like from manga, the adaptation is spot on. Mm, they perfect. did it. The voices are great. The Yakuza are great. How the girls act is great. I can't watch the intro because it has the girls, like, at certain points, the girls, uh, like, Anzu and Hitomi are, like, crying. And they're just, they're just, like, ugly crying. Like, it's just so much. And I'm like, I can't watch the girls cry every episode i have to skip the intro and the intro is good but i have to skip it because it's breaking my heart watching them cry even though i know things get better for them Aww. later on and i'm like i can't deal because they're such good girls and Hina's such a piece of garbage <laughs> so yeah it's it's such a good show and it's really funny and the manga's spot on and if you're into if you're into a good funny show like that i'd say watch it maybe it's your cup of tea i don't think it was heather's cup of tea i can't speak for her too much but she would sit in the room while i watched it so i guess that's something <laughs> So she then just leave like she does typically. <laughs> she didn't just yes. get straight up and leave usually. So yeah, that's Hina Matsuri. I loved it. Uh, any questions? <laughs> no. Moving on to Corey. <laughs> sounds sounds good. All right, my third pick is Golden Kamui. Yeah. The story of a huge pile of Ainu gold that was stolen, and then the people that stole the gold got put in prison. Oh, and wrong. then the prison people got a brilliant idea that they would tattoo everyone else in the prison with a map, an encoded map, of where the Ainu gold was hidden. Cut away to war. The immortal Sugimoto is back from it. He's in Japan, and he finds out that this Ainu gold has been stolen, and he needs to get money to pay for his best friend from war's wife. Correct. Because his best friend is dead. Because his yeah. best friend is dead. From war. From war. So it is him and a small Ainu lady wandering around in the winter, hunting and making traps for various animals and people, and learning about good food. And, and Ainu culture. And Ainu culture. And each other. And each other. And God, is it gory. <laughs> oh, man. Violent. I stand by what I said the first time, BJ. It is a rollicking adventure. You're full of shit. <laughs> There's a lot of blood spray, but you don't see anyone get skinned. So... That could have happened in this series. I'm only... There's only, like, so many ways you can get someone's tattooed skin off their body. It's fair. This sounds delightful. But it is good. It's very oh, good. Yeah. I mean, would you like to see a really bad CG bear get punched? <laughs> it's in the first episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the animation is really on point. It's the... The bears, for I, some I reason. I don't know why, because it's just like we needed a big bear aren't. to rear up in scene, and it's like someone didn't want to draw a bear. And it's it's weird because it's just the bear, as you say. Yeah, yeah. I I don't <laughs> understand. It's an iconic scene. You'd think that that like yeah, we if we nail anything, we have to nail this bear punching scene, and it, they, we get over it, and it's great. It's great from yeah. there out. Later yeah. on, there's the comedy sidekick introduced, Shiraishi, the escape king. Right. 
who is like a Houdini style character, but always accidentally ends up back with the gold hunting crew, who are also fleeing from a group of soldiers that found out about the gold and want it so that they can take over Japan. Yeah, they are very corrupt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they just want to make their own nation beach. There's nothing wrong with that. I would follow a man <laughs> whose front of his skull had been blown off and was replaced with like a metal shield. Yeah, the man who lacks any lips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems legit. They really nail what war will do to people. Like, in terms of, like, physical dismemberment, they really yeah. nail that. Specifically pre-World War II war. Yeah. yeah this is like, because wasn't this like the Sino-Japanese Sino-Japan. war? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's like also, you'll see people or... injured so. beyond what an anime character would normally survive. Yeah. And they survive. Yes. And limp around on crutches for the rest of the show. <laughs> also, the theme song, I have been insisting this entire time, sounds like an Our Lady Peace song. It does, doesn't it? Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it turns out it's Man with a Mission. Man with a mission. All right. They could have just shot those guys to be in. Oh, that's why the show does the wolves so well. Why? Be- be- because Man with the Mission is the band with the wolf heads, and they. Is it? Do the thing. Okay. It's a very layered reference. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, that's that's really all I have to say about Golden Cowboy. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I'm told I should I should read the manga at the very least. I want to. I stopped at one point because they were in a murder hotel, <laughs> and it was. It was, I was like, I can't take this level of like, it, okay, in a lot of ways, Golden County can be mistaken for torture porn in like the very, very violent things because it gets very into it, but it's meant to be real. It's meant to be like, it's not like Berserk. Like, it's no, not like that no, kind no, of thing. No. It's meant to be visceral. Yeah, it is very visceral. Uh, save torture porn for later. We'll talk torture porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's fair to give it that kind of label. But certainly, if, if you're not into that, and I'm, I'm not into that after reading it for that many, for a certain number of chapters, I was just like, I really can't do this anymore. And that's what I'm finding hard about watching the, the show is I'm like, I can only watch the show like maybe once every two weeks. And then I kind of get my fill of it or what, like maybe watch a couple in a row. So I haven't finished it yet. Uh, Ian. Yeah. Uh, speaking of torture porn, uh, we're going to bring up my, oh, no. my, my final piece in the train of disappointment 2018. Uh-huh. Darling in the Franks. I'm glad you pronounced both X's. I mean, they're there, right? They're there to be used. And what they were torturing was the concept of reference and illusion. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to this show, I was so, so excited for it. It was, it was Trigger, and it was me one. I didn't really matter. But it was Trigger, and it was, they were doing a giant robot series, and the robots were, were maybe people or maybe not, but it has some really good aesthetic going with it. And watch the first episode, I'm like, Okay, this is interesting. It's got a couple problems with it. Three episodes in, I'm kind of cool on it. Maybe they'll say interesting things about adolescence and awakening sexuality. Maybe. Yeah, they they, they were setting up a a lot of things to get knocked down there. And then, halfway through the series, I'm thinking, okay, now it's about the time for the trigger turn, right? They're going to pull the trigger and it's going to be real good now. So four episodes before the end of the series, I think I finally figured out exactly what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. And I think somebody backed a dump truck of money and a script up to Trigger and said, hey, you guys, do you want to do a show? You're your old uh, uh, Gynax people, right? Do you want to do a show that's Evangelion and Gurren Logan And Gunbuster and Gundam. Yeah, yeah, all of these shows, all these things that you guys know how to do. We're going to put them all in one show and it's going to be great. Editor's note, it wasn't. <laughs> Record scratch, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed to me that what happened here was, because uh, I didn't watch the show, mm-hmm. 
But what seemed to me that happened is that a lot of people looked at all the pedigrees involved and then said, well, clearly it has to be more than the sum of its parts. And it wasn't. And that's the that's the thing is it's like, because it never had to be. It was, as you said, you know, Trigger was only animating what A1 was putting in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, it's a thing of where it's like, a company wanted to make this show and then said, but we can get great animation out of it. And Trigger's like, we have no problem with making money because that's what we're in business to do. Yeah. But it was just such a disappointment because you could take every one of those characters in that series, every, uh, every you could take every noun in that show and jumble it and reorder it and make a much better series. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't what happens. And sometimes that's how it happens. Like, I get that it's disappointing when things like that happen because you expect to say, boy, are we coming up on that with me? But it's, it's kind of like Trigger didn't screw up and A1 didn't screw up. They made what they had in mind. The problem was the expectations that everyone had built around that based on who these people were was like, it just basically set people up for disappointment. And I wonder if that's the same thing in Japan, too. It, it, it might be. I haven't actually follow, <laughs> like, followed much of the, the fallout from the, from the Franks other than a few tweets of, and now we never have to talk about this series again. And but also the what if in <laughs> Japan, like what if the reception is fairly good by the people, like people who are like, who are watching it are like, actually, I really like this show. It's like, oh, you weren't expecting it to say more than it was. You weren't expecting it to be like the next iteration of, of Evangelion or something like that. And like, no, I was expecting it to be exactly what it was. It's like, oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I guess, congratulations, you got the show you want. Yeah, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying desperately not to, to walk myself into a Last Jedi situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Becoming one of those guys. I feel like you've got it right, only flipped around in that the show wanted to be more than it was and that the and it kind of led us on and just didn't deliver on any of those promises oh, okay, yeah. okay. it was throwing up signal flares and doing the oh this is significant this might be significant later oh what a mystery here okay yeah. well, and, and even just you know raising questions as you said earlier about gender stereotypes and you, you you can go back to some of trigger's earlier works and see oh yeah that's what they were doing with this series that's what they were doing with gurren that's what they were doing with uh with uh kill a kill mm-hmm. and you, you'd see those little bits get dropped in the beginning of darling in the franks and just never picked up again and then instead of an interesting commentary on uh uh, on on a person's place in society, it's about hey, girls should have babies. And so you would say that Darling in the Franks is also though for the people watching it, not about like we gave you a series that played all this stuff completely straight, like dropped a lot of hints, but basically played all this stuff completely straight. And what you're supposed to learn from that is that rather than try to get better, or try to see something interesting, it still just became pap. Yes. And it's like and so yes, therefore it, it's it like it was absolutely just like the slimiest gruel at the yeah. end. And, yeah. And, and you're and you, I mean cuz I'm saying that the, the, I guess the lesson you walk away from is that no matter how much you think that something is setting you up to enjoy something is that there's no obligation on the part of the on on to make what you think is going to happen come true because life could just play out in a way that's that sucks. I, I think yeah, <laughs> that and there's also the learning about the difference between subtext and text. Yeah, and okay. Frank's is very overt about its text. The, the, the last episode I was thinking, oh my God, are they, are they going to do this? Are they going to do a thing here? And then they outright narrated doing the thing. Ah, okay. It, it, was, it was a perfect example of tell and don't show. Well, what a disappointment. I'm very glad I did not get on that train in that case. Although I have been enjoying, I think some of the best commentary I've heard on Frank's has been on the, the Anime News Network podcast. They've been going through it the last several episodes <laughs> losing their minds basically but also getting like deep into like 
the the political implications and also like sort of what you guys have been talking about about not knowing exactly what the subtext they're playing with actually means they're just pulling it kind of mindlessly from Evangelion and other series like it without really thinking about it they pull a gynax pose do you remember dual parallel trouble adventure no no okay <laughs> i only heard stories in dark corners of the phantom what was the name of the studio that that made tenchi muyo AIC. Yes. Okay, so AIC, right after Evangelion came out, said, son of a bitch, we need Evangelion, but we need it with all the Tenchi characters. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Essentially, they took all, like, a lot of the designs of the Tenchi characters and then just called them by different names and shit and threw them into, into this Ava-type show. Oh, all, the, yeah. all the robots have high heels. It's about two robots people in the robots i never watched it okay i the saw most, clips the of most it. perfect political and social commentary giant robot show is bocarano send tweet erin <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your last pick oh i'm i'm just gonna end on the the best lightest most enjoyable note i'm sure i realized by the way in my last pick i said i had a theme and then i didn't actually say what the theme was <laughs> but i think mm. you've probably sussed it out by this point all of the shows that I watched this past season were related to Magical Girls because that's entirely where my creative energies are going right now. And for this, for the sake of these creative energies, I think this, this one requires a little bit of explanation. In the comments of one of my most recent videos, we got a discussion going about Madoka Magica and the legacy thereof. Mm. And about how the imitators of Madoka Magica are kind of in the line of Franks. They... They are trying for something that made Madoka work, but not quite getting there. Kind of like how, say, I don't know, like the Dark Knight or Watchmen were imitated for their surface elements rather than what those books actually meant, and it resulted in horrible, horrible things for the comics industry. And that's kind of where a lot of the magical girl genre is right now, outside of Pretty Cure. But I've not actually watched any of these Madoka imitators yet, so I felt like I couldn't really participate in this discussion. Because you shouldn't participate in a discussion about the thing without experiencing the thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I watched all of Magical Girl's site. Oh. Um, that was a show. So what is what is the show? Fill us in on the plot. Okay, well, first off, I think I have to give all the trigger warnings. Even just the summary of the show might be uncomfortable to hear. So if you're sensitive to talking about assault and abuse and suicide and just you be warned, that's kind of come up in the summary of the show. So it centers around a high school girl who gets relentlessly bullied every day. Like, not just like, haha, teasing, whatever. Like, razor blades in her shoes and head shoved down the toilet, physical abuse, all, all the full gamut. Um, and it doesn't stop at home either. She gets it from her brother as well. She contemplates suicide every day. And it gets to a point where she is confronted with a website at night called the Magical Girl site, which offers to make her a magical girl. She clicks it, not knowing exactly what it is. And the next day, a heart-shaped gun appears in her locker at school with a note saying, if you use this, you're a magical girl now. And she doesn't use it because she's still not sure what's going on until the bullies really step up the intensity of what they're doing. God, I don't even want to say what they try to do. That's fine. You don't have to. But... Yeah, I'm not gonna. But it suffice to say it gets bad enough that she gets desperate enough. She fires the gun. 
The bullies immediately disappear in a heart-shaped puff of smoke and reappear on train tracks where they are summarily run over. Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Holy crap. And and from there, she she meets other girls who are involved in this whole dark magical girl thing. Their powers, of course, drain their life. It's kind of, I guess it's like a Madoka thing where they're soul bound to their power item. Except it's even grosser than it is in Madoka because the power item can be anything. And that includes things that the writers knew that like fanboys would love. Like panties. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got a heart-shaped gun, gun. We've got a cell phone. We've got a yo-yo. There's some standard ones as well. But the panties in particular are really Skeevy. not. Mm. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> From there, it just keeps getting darker and more edgy and like i i guess it's cliche to say you could cut yourself on that edge but it really is that and i think the most frustrating thing about it is there are points where it almost gets good like it gets to a point where you've got a collection of girls who are suffering through trauma together who are learning how to navigate how not to hurt each other as a result of that trauma there's a really good video essay actually that was put out by the Pedantic Romantic that talks about this topic. So if you want to search Pedantic Romantic Magical Girl site, that video actually <laughs> covers probably one of the more positive aspects about the show. Mm. But it's it's just so otherwise consumed with pr- trying to present you with the most shocking imagery it possibly can and playing up the psychotic aspects of every character to the point of dropping all of their subtle character drama that it's just not worth it. And then it ends at a point where it's basically, hey, I hope we get a sequel because otherwise you got to read the manga. Wow. It keeps going? Yep. Jesus. All right. I mean, like, uh, Madoka at least had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then some movies. And then some movies. And then another end. <laughs> it literally ends with a major character reveal in the last 10 seconds. Wow. No. All right, well... Well, I guess we either need to get ready for more of that, or... I-, I hope not. I mean, I guess I'm glad I watched it so I know where the genre's at right now, and I can actually weigh in. But, man, it was... You can hear the quiver in my voice, I think. It was not pleasant. Oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you told us about that so I can avoid that completely. Yes, please do. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it unless you're doing it for research purposes. I've kind of been making it my rule that whenever I read about a thing that's like, oh, normal everyday person is can be made a magical girl through some mysterious, and I just go, nope. Contract. Yeah, the moment <laughs> I see that, I think, contract, contract. I'm like, I watch Madoka, and God, they did such a good job. Unless those powers are literally coming out of a cat's butt. Yeah. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah. I, I will say, actually, this that does remind me, thinking of the, the figure that brings up the contract. There is one positive thing I will say. The figures who present this contract are legitimately creepy and not just overdone. The, the main one is voiced by the Japanese voice actress of Frieza, and he does a really, really good job of playing mm-hmm. up this... Oh, you poor unfortunate soul. And it's just this chalk white figure with a creepy Junji Ito smile. And it's it's quite effective. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. and fun trivia fact, a couple of the other figures from this mysterious group are voiced by virtual YouTubers like Kizuna Ai. And I think there's one other one as well who makes an appearance. Wow. But I think you're definitely now narrowing down on what the target market for this series was. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> hmm. 
It's like people who like Toho and Higurashi. People who <laughs> like Kizuna Ai. <laughs> oh, okay. And think Frieza was a uh, was a relatable character. <laughs> and anything else you want to add, or shall we continue on? Uh, yeah, no. I think if I say more on this show, I think I would make a whole separate video about it. Already. I look forward to it. <laughs> my final pick then for spring 2018, my pick is Uma Musume, Pretty Derby. Yay, please, let's end on something nice. <laughs> yes. Hey, see? Okay. Is it nice? Uh, yeah. Is it nice? It is. Thank you. And let me let me tell you. So here's the thing. A show about a high school age girl, a bunch of high school age girls, trying to find their place in life, learning about an interesting job, and then doing it. What studio do you think made this show? Oh. It's PA Works. Yeah, I was oh. <laughs> And oh my god, it's on point. So, okay, horse girls are a thing separate from normal girls in this show. Let's just get that right out of the... I should explain what the plot is. The plot is about a girl named Special Week, because that's the name of a real horse in real life Japan. Special Week moves out of the country and moves to the city so that she can become the best horse girl in Japan. The thing that horse girls all do, they race. There isn't, they aren't draft horses, they don't do dressage, they don't do any of that weird shit. All they do is they race against each other. No jockeys, it's just them giving her all out, running as fast as they can. Uma Musume was made as a video game. Psy Games is involved. This, I'm pretty sure, was an arcade game or maybe a mobile game, but it's a way for you to make bets on, you know, the girls running mm -hmm. around and doing whatever, and there's lots of idle imagery and stuff, to the point where if you win your race in the middle of the day, you have to, you have to stick around till the end of the day so that you can do an idle song and dance on stage. And I saw that when the show was running, and I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking interminable. I'm going to have to sit through so many performances. And all they did is they, they start showing one for about eight seconds and then cut away because it was like, you get the point. It's an idle thing. <laughs> We're not going to show you the idle thing because there's lots of idle anime and there's lots of... You can buy the you... CD album if you care about that part. <laughs> She's exactly right. All that stuff is up there and that's fine. And it's like, we're not interested in showing you any parts of that. What this is, is an honest-to-God sports anime. <laughs> and it's so good. And I feel so kind of like, I want this to just be a schlocky whatever and let laugh at it. And I watched the first episode, I'm like, that's kind of compelling. And then I watched the second episode, and I'm like, this is way more compelling than I thought it would be. And then by the third episode, I'm like, this is a sports anime. So... On a scale of like one to eight, how many exclamation points would you put at the end? <laughs> this is probably like two to three. I don't okay. think it's the full eight. But <laughs> Jesus, like, like that's the thing is Keijo definitely set the stage for this. It absolutely did. If Keijo didn't come out and wasn't as successful as it was in that way, I don't think you would have gotten this turned into an anime specifically because I, th I feel like Keijo kind of set the table for a bunch of girls in a high school devote to doing only one thing and one thing only, and we never see them take class, so it must be this is the only thing they do in class, and there's training, and there's activity, but we're going to treat it like a serious sport, and then through the, through the, the lens of a serious sport, we're going to make you actually be interested in it as a sport. Hmm. And all of the girls, all of them, are all named after famous horses in Japan. And here's a great little thing too, Silent Suzuka who is the, she's the fastest girl at the school, and she's, she's great. She's very quiet, though, too. But Silent Suzuka, who's very, very fast and runs in front of everybody all the time, Silent Suzuka died during a race. She tripped and fell lame, and she died as a result. The horse, not the character. The horse. Okay. What did they do to the character? During that same race, the character slips, falls lame, and can't finish the race. And for the rest of the episode, you have no idea whether they killed the character off or not. It's so The answer good. is no. They did not kill a character. And the thing is, they didn't, ultimately. But 
they let you think that because every every girl who carries a horse's name is doing things based on what the horse does. Like there's so much research that went into went into this thing, and I'm like, it's just supposed to be a whatever. It's oh, they gave them a funny name. So it's like no, everybody's based on on a horse that ran through like the last the last 20 years or something like that. And I was just kind of blown away by this. Like you guys did this research and you put all this stuff together and you made these things mean something. And I was just like. Okay, but it is, it's a sports anime, and it has a happy ending, and that's great. And they, they run against a French horse named Broye, and Broye is really fast, and she's really strong, and she's big. Is that like the Rose of Versailles horse I've seen pictures of? Holy shit, yeah, she's the Rose of Versailles horse, and, and <laughs> they, they have a race against her, and, and, and El Condor Passa has to race her at one point, and then later on, Special Week gets to race her, and it's like, and it's tense, and you learn about running, and you learn about, like, they have to learn different techniques on how to run, because apparently you don't just run on a track that's flat there are certain parts where the track actually goes up and then goes down again and i was like i didn't know about that but apparently that's a real thing in japanese race. i learned so much about japanese race industry through all of this that i had no idea about and of course i don't have like a like a like encyclopedic knowledge but it's really good as a, if you like sports anime and you can kind of get beyond the thing is like this seems very exploitative there's no fan service that I can remember from the show. There's not like panty shots. There's no <laughs> upskirt on that horse. Like all these things that I thought I was going to be like, there's going to be all this upskirt. There's going to be all these things. And like, there's some shots of them in the locker rooms, I think at some point where they're wearing like a bra or something like in, and whatever. But I'm like, they don't indulge in that. Mm. And it really surprised me for what I thought was going to be a very exploitative show that I was hoping would just be fun. And it was like, it is fun. And it's fun in this way that doesn't make it prurient. And that's not to say I don't like Korean <laughs> stuff, because, oh my god, I'm a huge fan of Sin, but this was really kind of wholesome. It kind of sounds like it's following the, the Love Live mold of, like, it's taking the Moe formula, but taking it to a wider audience and taking the creep factor away. It kind of hmm. felt like the creep factor. Like, I mean, okay, the one thing I will lead with... Uh, that is important is that the trainer he shows up on the first day and special week standing and watching at the race tech and she's watching her hero silent suzuka runs as she's staying there she gets a kind of <laughs> kind of moment and they show a side shot and this dude has his hands all over her thighs and he's like a younger dude right like he's he's not like 16 but he's like you know he's in his oh, okay. mid-20s and he's like holding her thighs and he's like hmm you've got strong thighs you'd be a good racer and then she kicks him in the face and he does that every so often and i'm like mm. that sucks and that's what kind of tuned me in for this is going to be the thing i'm going to see a lot of this shit you see it two or three times i'm like okay i'll i can let that slide in favor of everything else because i like the show for all these other reasons but that was like uh, you did that for the fan service joke of he's feeling up this girl's an actual sentient person's thighs <laughs> to judge her for being a runner and i'm just like kind of not okay this I, was a producer's note yeah that's exactly the level of love lives fan service then yeah <laughs> So, so there you go. Anyway, I really loved Uma Musume. I think that if more people check it out, I think it'd be, I think you might enjoy it. All right, moving on to summer, and in the interest of time, I, I'd say we just uh, <laughs> go very fast. I don't know. List the title. List a general impression of the show and kind of what we want from it, if that makes sense. Uh, I think I'll, I'll start off with Hanebato, which is a sports anime about badminton, and all the characters are ladies. And I would really, really like this to be just a really good sports <laughs> anime. I mean, there were some boys, but it, there's you never see them play badminton holy hell though does the animation look gorgeous yeah yeah that's what i've seen clips of and i'm like oh 
that might be something. Heather gave me crap because I mentioned like there's a, there's a fair bit of boob jiggle going on in this. I'm like more than I expected. The, the main character has the big guns. Yeah. And that almost threw me off of the series. But, but watching the show and then seeing that it's like, oh, we've got a serious rivalry character thing going on. That's And she and Heather had said to me that that amount of boob jiggle, especially when they're playing sports, I think you can just be fine with that. And yep. I'm like, okay, I think I think it's that's fair. It's not like High School of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the boob jiggle that got me. It was the shuttlecock getting hit and having those feathers just separate just a bit as the racket deforms. And then, mm, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I want to learn about the precision of badminton. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention my first pick here. And uh, first pick is Penguin Highway, which is from Studio Colorado. And wow, I am surprised that this animation exists because it looks like just a lot of fun as a movie. It's about a kid in grade four who gets a crush on a woman, God, I can't remember what she does in town. I think it's something like just a insurance salesman. But they get together and they find uh, they are trying to find out why there's a bunch of penguins in town. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, mm -hmm. the movie. Yeah, yes. magic magical penguins show up for no reason. For some reason in the trailer, she's throwing a can and it turns into a penguin. And that sounds awesome. And the original work is from the novelist that did like Tatami Galaxy and Night of Short Walk on Girl, oh. but it's not oh. a Masaaki Yuasa direction. Well, still, wow. there's there's interesting names attached to this. So yeah, the the the, the original work is from uh, Morimi Tomihiko, and the director is Ishida Hiroyasu who I found out did Fumiko's Confession, which was that short animation about the girl who runs downhill. Yeah. Uh, but also did Fastening Days, the extended yeah. YKK zipper commercial. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I gotta see this. Yeah, so if you're wondering what kind of a, it's, it looks like it's definitely going to be an upbeat series or film Movie. and I'm really looking High forward energy, to seeing High energy, colorful. A lot of fun. Nice. Aaron, one of your picks. All right. I guess I'll do the one that's the least likely to overlap. I don't know if I have a, too much to say about it other than I'm looking forward to watching it. Is Shinya Tensai Bakabon, or the new Genius Bakabon, which is an adaptation of an old, old, old ass anime from, I think, it's got to be like 50s, 60s, 70s, kind of in there. It's an old Fujio Akatsuka manga by the same creator of Osamatsu-kun, which was recently adapted as right. Osamatsu-san. Yes. This looks like it's going to be in the same vein as Osamatsu-san in that it takes that old material and updates the jokes for modern audiences. I haven't watched the first episode yet, but I've seen the screenshots and a lot of the jokes seem to be in that vein, especially in the vein of that first episode of Osamatsu-san, if you've seen that band episode and this time they they went out of their way to get the copyright clearances for their jokes oh it's hilarious they got the clearance to use hyde's yes. likeness <laughs> yeah yeah from x japan but not his voice so they got <laughs> brought someone in to do an impersonation they got miki shinichiro to do it wow oh. but yeah it looks like a lot of fun i don't i i haven't read the original manga but i did do a lot of research on akatsuka for my video on himitsu no akko-chan so i'm really looking forward to checking out more akatsuka related stuff. I'm glad it's getting a new anime. It should be fun. Yeah, it feels like one of those things that uh, that you feel like you should know about as an anime fan. Yeah, just because the character looks so familiar. You, if you've seen Japanese manga for any amount of time, you feel like you've seen this character. Or eaten like Japanese dagashi or something. Mm -hmm. If you've eaten like Japanese candy, you've seen characters drawn the same way on like everything. Yeah. Okay, my first pick for the upcoming season is Chio-chan no Tsugakuro or Chio-chan's School Road. Chio's, Chio's School Road is how I'm seeing it romanized, or not romanized, but translated into English. Based on a manga about Chio-chan, high school student. The first episode kind of gives away how everything's going to work. She stays up till three hours before she has to go to school playing Assassin's Creed. Then she falls asleep at the front entrance of her house trying to leave and she's on her way to school as fast as she can 
which is funny when you watch the show, but we'll get to why. And she turns a corner and the road that she normally takes is blocked off. And she's like, well, I could just climb that light pole and I could stand on that guy's roof and I could jump to the other roof and I could just jump on roofs and get to the, cause you know. Oh, is this the Assassin's Creed girl? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's stupid. And then she turns around and leaves and then turns around and runs back and, and proceeds to climb the pole and get on the roof. Of course, she's not a seasoned assassin. She's a high school girl. So she is hauling herself up onto this stuff and she's out of breath. And, but then she gets up there and she's like, huh? And then she kind of proceeds along. So what I had hoped the manga would be is about her always trying to get to school. <laughs> it's not. But it is about her personality and dealing with her friends. And she's kind of a piece of crap. <laughs> well, no, she's not. She's kind of a very flawed human being in a lot of ways, <laughs> which is very refreshing because she's just normal person that is really into Western gaming, especially. <laughs> and there's a chapter in the manga where she gets a friend. She forces a friend of hers to play PUBG, which is just astounding to me because I'm like, you guys care about that? Neat. But for the most part, it's her thinking of different things she's done in games and using that to influence how she does things in life. But also even outside of that, just like her dealing with other, pe other weird people that she she knows at her school there's uh, one episode that has to do an awful lot of kabaddi <laughs> and Corey's like oh kabaddi you say <laughs> <laughs> oh i get it it's good i think i like the manga the tv show weirdly paced hmm. first episode feels way too slow but the next episode is supposed to have three different things going on in it which makes me think that they did that on purpose to the first episode so you had a lot of time to get used to it and it's going to pick up the pace. So my worry is that it's going to be really slow when it should feel very fast. I think hmm. it's going to be better than my expectation was. If you read the manga, I'd say check out the show. If you haven't, a new chance for you to get to see this weird take on a girl going to school. My second pick is Hataraku Saibo, Yay! or Cells at Work. And it looks stylistically very interesting to me. And I guess in the setting wise, the main character is a red blood cell who is trying to do her job day to day and the different encounters and things that she runs into. And I'm hoping that it's something kind of character focused inside of a bureaucracy like Library Wars. I was going to say, please tell me that this is a spinoff of uh, Health with Little Red Riding Hood. No. no, I was thinking like Osmosis Jones. Have you watched an episode of it? <laughs> I've not watched an episode. So it does skew pretty heavy towards combat. Yes. Which is weird, because I didn't expect that either, and I hope there's going to be some, like, slower episodes. I was also going to say, like, One Punch Man. Like, if it skews a little in that direction, where it's just like, here's some mundane stuff, and then fighting. The, the, the in first... Library Wars, they have guns. Yes. Yeah, there the you first, go. The first episode is called Pneumococcus, and the next one is, I think, Influenza. It deals a lot with germs and stuff, but I think it's more to just get people's attention. I think it's really cool. I really liked the first episode. All right. I guess that brings me next here uh this one i'm going to aaron let you chime in whenever you like because i think we have an overlap here yeah i think we might have a couple maybe <laughs> yeah i'm gonna uh ooh, you know i didn't write down the whole title that of that one so i'm gonna go with banana fish which was from studio mappa who i didn't realize also worked on in this corner of the world yeah, yeah. Oh. as well as yuri on ice and kids on the slope uh it's original work from an original manga by Yoshida Akimi, and uh, I haven't read it yet, but I understand from everyone who knows anything about manga, it's telling me, you need to watch slash read this. In fact, just read it. It's a, sort of a crime drama set in North America so far, as mm. far as the first episode. But it seems like just a very down-to-earth crime mystery series and i'm very excited to see where it goes because it's got a great recommendation behind it the music is fine the animation is so far really great and i'm just excited to see where it goes and it's funny that you say down to earth i guess you could call it that but it's it's kind of a weird kind of down to earth i think it's 
that through the lens of Hollywood cinema, through the lens of Japanese understanding of Hollywood cinema, I feel like. Oh, perfect. So that gives it an interesting vibe where a lot of the char- the characters seem to have typical like anime sensibilities, but they're trying very hard at the same time to put through Americanisms and play up the setting as well. I guess I was just meaning that it's, it's not, you're, as far as I know so far, you're not seeing anything magical or yeah, yeah. supernatural. Or supernatural exactly. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read the manga myself either. I almost read the manga as a, as a teenager, but sadly, the copy of it that I borrowed from a friend literally got eaten by our dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh no. So I had to buy her a new copy and she didn't let me borrow that one. Dog saw the words banana and fish and thought it was food and yep. yeah. Yeah. All, all I know is a lot of people out there who I respect lost their shit over the fact that this was getting an anime and had no expectations that it ever would. Yeah. I think we probably have Yuri on Ice to thank for that because well it's, it's the same studio. I think they're they feel a little safer bringing out a title that has if not a queer romance and at least queer undertones in it mm-hmm. that are not necessarily BL, so to speak. In that vein, I think it's probably going to be a queer story in the vein of queer stories that were created in the 80s, which is not always a good thing. But it should still be an interesting story to watch play out because it's it's a famous manga for a reason. Yeah, and they appear to have modernized it. Like the war setting is modern and mm-hmm. they have cell phones and stuff like that. So I'm not entirely sure how they'll approach some of the more traumatic elements of the story. Yeah, like they've they've updated a few surface things, but uh, they, they did also update some character things. Like, again, I haven't read the manga, but from people who have, they've said that, say... There's a character in the first episode who is not nearly so fleshed out in the manga, but they've added some more character to him for the anime. Excellent. Good. Aaron, do you have like, what? so what, because we heard what I think what Ian was hoping to get out of it. Did we get what Aaron was hoping to get out of it too? I think kind of, kind of the same kind of thing. I'd like to just sort of get to know what the deal with this famous manga is and (laughs) not have it be eaten by my dog before I finish it. Because you guys have double time, technically, because you're both talking about banana fish. So I want to give you guys both the, enough yeah, yeah. time to talk about it. So we'll move on to me again then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, second pick for summer is Grand Blue, or as some of you will probably see it, Grand Blue Dreaming. Because apparently there's something already out called Grand Blue, and so they have to call it Grand Blue Dreaming, I think. I'm not sure. Grand Blue is about a diving shop called Grand Blue. There, we got that out of the way. What it's actually about is about a boy named Iori. He's, boy, he's a man. He's 20 years old. He's Hatachi. He's an adult. He moves to, to this small town to go to university, and he's going to live with his uncle and his cousins at the diving shop Grand Blue. And he's all like, yeah, I'm starting university now. Like, I'm transferring in or doing what everybody's starting university. is going to be good. He's going to go to an engineering program. He's like, I'm going to make some friends and, and all that. And, you know, and the diving shop's right here. And, you know, maybe... This will be cool. I'll see the kind of people who hang out here and see what things are like. And he opens the doors. And there's all these amazing, buff, Cho-Aniki-looking dudes who are all very nude, drinking a lot of beer. And then he just lets the door shut. And he's like, maybe something... And he does... Of course, yeah. This is not a gag manga. It's a comedy manga that has some relationship stuff in it as well. And it is full of man-ass and full of uh, ladies in bathing suits and a bunch of people in wetsuits. And it's about him becoming a part of the diving club and having the just shenanigans. This is a, this is a thing about college shenanigans. It's what it's like to like, have you ever drank 94% alcohol, alcohol before it's Polish spiritus. That is a very popular thing that they do in this manga. There's literally a thing at the beginning of the anime. that's like, 
Warning, underage drinking is not a good idea. Neither is the kind of forced drinking you're about to see throughout this thing. Like, there's a warning that says, everything you're about to see is depicted only for fun, and please don't do it, for God's sakes. (laughs) I love this manga because it's so stupid. And these guys get into these scrapes, and there's lots of, like, the the standard things. All of a sudden, everybody just goes all JoJo or Shonen or whatever, and then that just disappears next panel. It's a comedy. It's meant to be this kind of, like, raucous... You know, stuff's happening. Guys are yelling at each other, and then that kind of goes away. People saying stupid shit, and then people getting hit for saying stupid shit. It's like if you just took out all the slow bits from Gaki no Sky. It's just shenanigans, the manga. Hmm. I really love it. The anime is weirdly paced. It's slower than it should be because I think it should be way faster and it's not. And I'm hoping that that was just to get the the setting out of the way so we could watch the beginning of whatever and we'll see what the second episode is like and I don't really know. And and I'm kind of like, I hope I don't have the same problem with this that I have with Chio-chan because, yeah, my expectations were this stuff would be a lot faster and jokes would land a lot harder and a lot quicker and we'd see movement and that's not really happening. It seemed a little more like flowy and I'm like, that's not what the manga was to me. But we'll see. Looking forward to Grand Blue. Hmm. All right. My last pick is another movie. And I have picked Mirai no Mirai, or The Future's Mirai. Beach, I'll give you the synopsis. Please. There's a four-year-old boy named Kun. He has a baby sister who is stealing all of his parents' attention. Uh-huh. He goes out in the garden one day. Mirai from the future shows up, and they go on an adventure. Wait, so his little sister. But from the future, so older than he is currently. Oh, that's darling. And it's directed by Hosoda. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah. I wondered why that sounded familiar. Yes. So if, you, if you, you're into things like Boy and the Beast or Summer Wars or whatever, you'll probably like this. That I'll probably awesome. like this. I'm looking forward to just like a fun adventure with slight touching moments. I will stand in line for every one of his movies. Yes. Aaron, why don't you bring us home then? Uh, well, actually, I found, I found a third one if you want to go through the last one that you've got. Oh, no. Now I, now I need to look up the actual title. <laughs> Shoujo Kageki reviews Starlight, which, wow. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. So this is from a Kinema Citrus studio. They put together Made in Abyss, which they got the Bunafides right there. Bak- Barakamon, Tokyo Magnitude Ooh. 8.0, and Eureka oh. 7. Oh. Director was the person behind Yurikuma Arashi. Oh. Well, sorry, not the person. I was going to say, wait yeah. a second, hang <laughs> yes, on. <I> know. <laughs> not that director. Yes. Director was Furukawa. Tomohiro, who was assistant director on Yurikuma Arashi and worked on Mawaru Penguin Drum as well. This is probably the closest thing we're going to get to an Ikuhara series this quarter. And uh, wow, I'm, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty easy premise. Girl is going to a school for the performing arts and she wants to become an actor in this famous acting troupe called Review Starlight. The first half of the series, or first half of the episode, is pretty normal in that respect. She goes to school, she meets some of her fellow students, and then she takes an elevator that she didn't realize the school had, which leads down into the basement about 20 or so stories into a ring where there are a couple of her classmates dueling for some reason. And then there's a giraffe which talks to her about the duel that's going on. And then she transforms. They're theater dueling. After falling <laughs> off of the Tokyo Tower. Also, all of that, all of the stuff with the elevator happens in the last five minutes of the first episode. Yeah, that was the last half of the episode as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much setup. Anyway, keep going. There's so much animation in that area. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on the fence about this show a little bit because I'm, I'm 
the last five minutes has me very excited oh, for yes. what this show can be. But after the Franks, I, I'm a little bit gun shy mm. at this point. I, I'm going to keep watching it because I want this. Sh the, pe the pedigree is there. Yeah, I would like it to be. I think what what gives me pause is less Franks and more Star Driver, which is another Ikuhara yes! alum show <laughs> that started with a lot of weird and beautiful promise, but quickly went off the rails in the wrong sort of way. Somebody else who watched Star Driver. <laughs> <laughs> I watched about five to seven episodes before I gave up on that one. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I should go back to it, maybe, and see yeah. if it's Beach watches a lot of stuff. <laughs> Heather and I both like Star Driver, but yeah, I think what it uh, it didn't cash its checks. Mm. Go ahead, though, Aaron. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of excited for the same reasons that uh, that Ian is. So I won't say too much more, other than the fact that. I'm I'm a huge Utena fan, and if it's anywhere like if it's even a fraction as good as Utena, then it's probably going to be worth watching. So oh, yeah. I'll keep my eye out. Um, but my actual third pick, I think I'm going to make Bang Dream Girls Band Party Pico, which is a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's a little bit in already, but uh, it, obviously it's not going to take long to catch up on that one. Just because I've I've been really into Bang Dream lately, a lot of people in my circles have been. I'm I'm glad that they're getting. Um, they did have a proper anime a little while back. I can't remember, like maybe last year or something like that. But it only focused on one of the bands in that franchise, and there are like five of them. And even this being like a five minute gag anime, whatever it is, features all the characters at least, and it looks cute and it looks funny. <laughs> so I'm on board for that. Nice. God, I just... Because now that we mentioned Review Starlight, I kind of wanted to be like... Because the same thing bugs me, too. I'm worried this is going to be Ikuhara Light. My worry, just to jump back there for a second. Yeah, yeah, is, go ahead. And, and this, this doesn't apply to anyone else. It's just my own personal taste. I got a real, like, Idolmaster vibe from the first bit. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, how, how how much of this is going if this is going to be Idol Show, and how much of this is going is this going to be Ikuhara? I yeah. got uh, Hibiki Euphonium vibes. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, I think what made me worry is that first half doesn't have nearly so much of the deliberate composition that Ikuhara tends to put into even the most mundane of his scenes. Exactly. So, I don't know. But that last that last bit, man, if, if there's at least one thing like that per episode, that might be enough to carry it. I mean, the, the thing that, because I thought about that and I was like, if... The fun thing, at least with you're watching like Utena, you're watching uh, maybe maybe not Penguin Drum so much, but like Yurikuma Arashi. Yeah, because it feels, it's like with Wes Anderson, right? When you watch Wes Anderson, you know you're watching Wes Anderson. And so you can kind of like, your brain reconfigures to deal with what's about to go on. I expected that same thing. It was like, I'm watching this thing that I heard people talking about, oh, there's Ikuhara things feeling in here. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And I'm like, this does not feel like that kind of show. And then the last five minutes, the elevator and everything else, I'm like, oh, Okay, so this feels like to me like what happened in Penguin Drum, where all of a sudden we have this survival thing, and I'm like, ah, uh, okay, so maybe that's what's going on here with my brain. But I, I'm going to watch it too. I want to see what it turns out to be. Well, we we have the consolation that at least we know that Ikuhara is working on something new. If this doesn't pan out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my final pick then for summer's 2018 is High Score Girl. Ah, uh. yeah. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a like a great title, maybe. I don't know. High Score Girl is about a boy named Haruo. This is set in 90s Japan. It is about the rise of arcade fighting games and the console generation. 
So we the Famicom's already out, like that kind of thing. Super Famicom's out. PlayStation is near. Sega Saturn is very near. But this starts with Street Fighter Two just came out, and the whole show is built around Haruo learning to play this video game and then encountering this girl from his class, Onoda, and she she's mute essentially. Like she's not mute in a medical way. She just doesn't like to say much or really anything. And he's pretty good at video games. He's trying to get better and better at Street Fighter 2. She's really good at video games. Everyone she puts her hands on, she's really good at. And she's also an Ojo-sama. She's like very rich and she's quite smart. And she, but she goes to a normal school like with all the other kids that are like, you know, in his class and whatever. They're both in the same class together. And it's about their friendship. And it's really interesting because they are not friends at the beginning of the series. And I'm reading the manga. And one of the things that amazed me about the manga was that Everything they use for video games in the series is used under license. Hmm. And it's all documented at the end of every chapter that it's like, this is copyright Capcom, copyright Square Enix, copyright Arc System Works, copyright Taito. Like, all that stuff is all categorized. They have the rights to use all the imagery they use. And there's a lot of imagery. This is like Scott Pilgrim level hmm. using all the imagery kind of thing. There's Ooh, lots nice. of it. And I think it's a really nice series and if you are finding it in a way on the web at this point you're probably not finding it normally because it is apparently acquired by netflix and they'll probably yeah. dump it as a complete series at the mm -hmm. end absolutely won't. yeah but i watched the first episode and it's really good and <laughs> pacing wise the pacing is not weird the pacing is on point it's perfect it's exactly how it's supposed to be and it's a really good show so i'm excited about it plus i used to play those games growing up so i was never good at them but i used to play them that's my pick. All right, All right. I think that's everyone. I'm amazed you sold me on two series this time, Beach. Oh, well, good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I might not watch Banana Fish, but you have piqued my interest now all of a sudden. I don't think too. Banana Fish is your thing. It might not be? Okay, well, fair enough. Hmm. Thank you to everybody then who tuned in to listen to this. Of course, this is an audio-only podcast this week, and we thank you for enjoying this. If you want to find out the names of all these things, look below in the notes or in the YouTube where you have been watching it. And I want to thank uh, special guest Aaron Cerise for coming on the show with us. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for inviting me, Beach. Well, for Corey, really, Corey. <laughs> Yes, Corey is the one who set this all up. So uh, where can people find you and your stuff? You can find me on youtube.com slash Aaron Cerise. That's E-R-Y-N-C-E-R-I-S-E. -E. And you're doing Maho Profile. You also do a lot of Love Live stuff. Uh, we already talked about all that. So that's cool. Thank you so much. And thank you to Ian and thank you to Corey for being on the show. Thank you to Corey for setting the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. And hell, thank you to Paul for sitting in the back and, and running the whole board while we make this happen. Thanks, Paul. But once again, we can't end up the episode without thanking all of you listening at home and especially those of you who choose to support us and everything we do over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. So with that, that has been Anoani for this three-month period, which does not have a weird term like Fortnite, but we'll come with something maybe for this quarter. Yeah, this quarter. This quarter. Uh, we will catch you guys again next time.